I V M. So, Avanti, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you ever felt or believed that your thoughts and your past experiences define who you are as a person? Yeah. <laughs> it's the basis of therapy. <laughs> the basis of it, yes. But is it possible that that's not the case? What's not the case? That thoughts and previous experiences do not make up who you are? I mean, I think thoughts and previous experiences can lend to your identity, but holding on to them and saying that's who I am, mm-hmm. despite the you know the possibility of change yeah um is stupid and it's something that we need to really look at yes and that's exactly yeah. what we're going to be talking about today hi i'm zane i'm avanti and welcome to marbles lost and found today we'll be talking about identity shaping and just asking you know who we are does do our thoughts and previous experiences actually make up who we are as people or are these just learned behaviors that we've picked up over the years mm-hmm. and just decided that this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, I wanted to just kind of throw the ball in your court, Avanti. Is there something that um, you think or you believe about yourself that maybe comes from some sort of learned behavior and you just and maybe for a long time you're like, okay, this is who I am, this is what I believe X is? Yeah. Yeah, I actually have um, pretty... I have a... Yeah basically. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I um, happened to just read a lot and I used to write a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to write short stories and poems. um, And my parents were always like, oh, Avanti's so creative. And Avanti's so, she's going to be an author when she grows up. And Mm -hmm. she's so creative. And my little sister, who's three years younger than me, um, kind of, I think, looked took one look at me and was like, that's who I'm not going to be. So okay. Sachi immediately kind of took on the role of the science one and the one who's more logical and was I good see. at maths. Anyway, I went on, um, you know, I used to write and then uh, I had my ICSE boards. So then I kind of stopped writing right. because that's what ICSE boards do. They kill your creativity. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really nurture that um, aspect of myself at all, the writing aspect. And yet, you know, the label of um, Avanti's so creative and she's so creative and she's so quirky and like all that stuff, you know, making that face because I'll tell you why. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, it persisted. And did you feel like you had something to prove because you kept on being told that you were creative? Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize it then because I was so young. I was, you know, 16, 17. But around then I had a bit of a crisis of confidence because um, in my 11th and 12th, I had to write all these essays Mm -hmm. and I just didn't know how to write them in the way that was required of me. Um, And then I went off to university. Anyway, basically, the time when I realized, you know, that this was a label that I had um, internalized, this creativity label, I was about 22 or 23. Mm -hmm. And I um, was doing pretty well. I was doing my master's and I was doing quite well. And I was really engaged and my papers were pretty good. And yet I would get this crippling, crippling anxiety um, just before writing a paper. Right. And I would just procrastinate and I'd beat myself up about it and it was never good enough. Mm-hmm. And I could always do better. And I just couldn't understand why I was writing in such a dry, um, matter-of-fact kind of way when right. I was the creative one. I mm. wanted to make it a story. I didn't want to make it an essay. 
And I was just, <clears throat> I mean, I, I can't, it sounds so trivial, right? right? Yeah, but, yeah. But it was so important to me to be this creative person because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in my family and my friend circle thought I was this creative person right. and expected it from me. And then anyway, I happened to just, you know, be working in therapy at the same time, like working mm-hmm. on myself in therapy. Right. And this came up a lot, you know, the crippling anxiety, the um, label of creativity. And we really explored, like, where did that come from? Right. Did it make any, does it have any, serve any function for me right now right. at this age? Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, everything was ripe in my physiology and my psychology where I was just like ready to drop that label mm-hmm. and let go of that part of my identity. But okay. it was really scary sure. because I was like shit if I'm not this creative person who, who the am? F- am I yes exactly like, you know and it's interesting because I dropped it and you know and obviously you can't just drop it like mm, that yeah. like overnight yeah. But I stopped worrying about, you know, making my papers, you know, these incredible narratives. And Mm -hmm. I stopped worrying about, um, do I look boring right now? Okay, interesting. You know, as well. Um, You know, because I I didn't care at that point. I didn't want to focus on that stuff. I didn't even think it was important to me anymore to be this creative, quirky person. Right, right. And I can't tell you, I just, I could feel it in my body now. Like, it was so liberating to let go of that label of that. and just tell everyone to fuck off <laughs> with their, you know, with their ex- expectation of me being this creative this person because yeah. I didn't want to be that person. Fine, yeah. Uh, so that was my experience, and I know it's pretty like trivial, but and I've had several, you know, like that, but that's the one that I feel. Um, but I get I could that. Talk I, about. I yeah. think I think if you're, you know, you're given a label from such an impressionable age, and you need to find ways to fuel that because. Mm. You believe, all right, so I am this person. In my case, for instance, I don't know what it is about me or what it is about people, if I can make it more of a general statement. We tend to remember a lot of the negative than we do the positive. (laughs) And so I can distinctly remember a few things that I was presented with when I was younger, maybe as a kid or preteen or teenager, that just kind of shook me up. And I realized that I built a lot of my personality based off of those experiences it was kind of like x y and z happened and then one day b happens i was like oh b is a lot like x y and z therefore the results of b will be bad b is bad so one of the examples of that was um one of my things is that i don't like taking risks i'm adverse Mm -hmm. to risk which is why whenever i do take a risk I can feel like every iota of my body going no you should not be doing this you should not be drawing attention to yourself and um and like what if you f- it up what if what if you don't do it right you're not as smart as you think you are that sort of thing and i still remember like one instance where did you get are you going to get into that or I like will. i was going to say where did you get those messages yeah from? i i will okay, yeah. yeah so so the thing is that i i remember so um just as a really quick bit of background i didn't grow up in india the first 10 years of my life was spent in nigeria and i my life was pretty straightforward it was basically a sheltered nuclear family sort of thing which is my folks and I and I was basically an expat right Mm -hmm. and I was going to a local school where it was predominantly you know local kids and my parents wanted that for me and I don't regret that I I think that's Mm -hmm. great because um, I I at least got to meet you know people other than just you know um, people from India so grateful for that but at the same time it was a double-edged sword because I still realized that I kind of felt like I was othered in some way because like even if I spend time with friends on the weekend and whatnot I still I could see that you know what apart from school 
and their home, they had more than that. My life was just school and home, right? And the people that I met at school. They had families, extended families. They had cousins. They had friends who were in other schools. So I do remember like when I used to go to their houses sometimes and if they were going for some function which they allowed me to tag along for, I just kind of felt, you know, isolated isolated or just kind of like not sure what I was doing there. And sometimes kids are mean. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I do remember a couple of times when I was a kid, a couple of people were like one girl... I don't know where she learned this because we were kids, but she just did not like the fact that I was a Nigerian. And like, she was just mean to me all the time. And even though I'm not white, she told me once or twice, get your white ass out of here. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants you here. And I, and something similar again, when I was in class one time, I think I was maybe like five years old. There were these twin girls who were being mean to me for whatever reason. And I remember saying something along the lines of, I just want you guys to like me and then she was like who likes you nobody likes you you're not you don't belong here that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so and a lot of this stuff kind of like perpetuated i still remember once for soccer practice back in back then um our school used to have extracurricular football practice on the weekends and one day i i went down into the field um i didn't know i i maybe came like 15 minutes late i was this was literally my first time I must have been seven. I had no idea what was happening. I didn't know that teams were already like set. I thought it was like a free for all. Mm. So I just came running onto the field and the other guys were like, who's this dude who's just run onto the field? Even the PE teacher was like, bro, get off. Mm. Like, you're too late, just get off. And I just kind of felt so embarrassed by all these things. And I just kept on looking for, I just kept on seeking these things out. Like I just kind of realized, okay, there'd be things that happened that were similar. Like, okay, I don't belong. Or okay, fine, this person's just tired of me now. Okay, fine, I'm dismissed. When actually it could have been anything else. Right? It could have the been reason, anything else. But that's how you interpreted it. Till date, till yeah. date. And like, even now, if I feel like there's someone who may, something as trivial as they may not have replied to a message, an important message, you know, in like maybe an hour or two, I'm like, okay, I guess I've been forgotten now. Like that's, it's just always there. <sighs> That's so heartbreaking thinking of little Zane. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was it was a uh, it was a time. <sighs> and so what you're saying is that this has carried on with you. Basically. This feeling of isolation, social exclusion actually. Yeah. yeah. Um when actually the facts are such that that is just not the case anymore, but your emotional self is reacting to it the same way little Zane Absolutely. reacted to it. Absolutely. I think my biggest problem is because one thing I, I'll just add to this as well, um, and I also I want to ask you something similar too. One thing that really I remember resonated with me was that when I went to when I went to boarding school, I thought I fancied myself one of the cool kids, you know. But I remember when I was thirteen, not more, yeah, thirteen at most, fourteen. Mm-hmm. A group of guys whom I thought were actually my closest friends or my only friends, in fact, could not stand me, and I found out about that through the grapevine Mm. and then I started to hear them actually heard them bitching about me once or twice and I remember when all of this happened I was just I still remember how overnight I just became a people pleaser I just like okay fine I need because I've spent so much of my time being you know excluded Mm. or not feeling like I belong I need to do everything in my power to feel like I've been validated that I belong Mm. that I am adequate and when I don't feel adequate which is a lot of the time it's a shitstorm, yeah. you know, and I still feel like sometimes I'm putting other people before myself. And even though I should put myself before, I'm like, 
oh, but what will the other person think? What if think? they don't like me? What if they don't like me anymore? And even a friend pointed this out to me. He's like, man, you have a problem with people not liking you. And I'm like, f*** you're right. So it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if you feel similar or you've had similar experiences like this. That's a really good <laughs> question. Um, probably not exactly, not the same um, social exclusion um, right. feeling. Hmm. But I think, um, and I'm trying to think actually, you know, I do have a tendency to um, feel isolated. Right. And I, we've talked about this before hmm. as well. And that's actually a really good question because I think that's something I need to explore um, a little bit. Okay. Yeah, no, I can't really answer that right <laughs> no, now. That, I need to think about that that's, tendency to feel yeah. isolated. Yeah, yeah when, when you feel isolated, what, what is the, the language that you're using on yourself right then and there when it happens? Um, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I have to do everything alone. I'm lonely. Um, I'm not good enough for other people, basically, to right. make them, for them to make me a priority. And none of this is true. Yeah. It, you know, that's what it, it's so funny the way the mind works, works because yeah. cognitively I'm like, Avanti, you're f-ing ridiculous because mm. most of the time you're not isolated and you're, you actually really like your space and you like being alone. Yeah. So what is this about? Why is it that sometimes when I'm feeling vulnerable, when I'm feeling, you know, like things aren't going so well in my life, is this, this it's a jump to feeling isolated yeah it's almost inappropriate you know it's Mm -hmm. like instead of being like this isn't going so well like work isn't going so well in my life i'm like yeah work isn't going so well in my life i'm also feeling super isolated because of it or because of yeah and you know this probably paints me in a really crap light considering i'm a therapist and everyone expects therapists (laughs) to have their shit together but i really think we're the population that really doesn't have (laughs) shit together (laughs) But um, yeah, I know. that's what I keep telling myself. What about you? I know exactly what you mean yeah. because I, for the longest time, even sometimes now, um, it pops up, but I, I know better now. But for the longest time, based on, you know, the things that I said, I just believed that the people who were my friends were just people who were politely tolerating me. Mm. I have serious trust issues, <laughs> serious trust issues. And I just, and a lot of it stems from the idea of just that big, cliche of a phrase now I'm not good enough Mm. and that comes from a lot of things I still you know riffing off what you just said about the language that you use now a couple of years ago I might have mentioned in a previous episode about a a course that I went for Mm -hmm. a self-development course one of the exercises that we did um, on that particular course really resonates with me till date the coach was like all right we're going to do a sort of like a meditative course uh, a meditative exercise Exercise, and he's like some of you may cry just know that that's normal in my head i'm like i'm not gonna cry that shit but um what he did was he told the entire audience all right everyone feet flat on the floor hands on your thighs just start taking some deep breaths close your eyes slow deep breaths just think um just feel how your body is feeling start on the toes feel your toes work your way up how your legs are feeling the sensations in your legs all the way up, up to your chest, to your head, and all of that. And now, since we all are, I think for the most part, the entire audience or the people, the delegates who are there, are all in some way or the other feeling pain in their lives, right? Myself Mm -hmm. included. He was like, all right, now that you're feeling all of this, feel where that pain is for you, Mm -hmm. all right? And then he says, what is that pain telling you? What is it saying to you? What is the language it's using? Now just tell yourself to let go. And the entire exercise was just 
it was a purge. I remember as I just started to like look in and look in at the language that I was telling myself, I just started crying uncontrollably. So you I, felt compassion for yourself. I don't know what that was. I just felt all this shit that has been in there just come out. And the only way I could express that was just crying nonstop. The ep- the exercise was like 20 minutes. And there was, Christ, there was snot coming out of my nose. Tears were literally dropping like this. I shit you not, at the end of the exercise, my entire shirt just had a whole streak <laughs> of snot and tears all the way down to my stomach. But the things that I remembered, the point is of the story was to tell you about the language I was using. And then like when I was crying that profusely at that point in time, there were faces of people who were important to me mm. that kept on coming up in my head, be it family or really, really close friends or an ex-partner at the time. And the language that came out, the words that just came out of my mouth were, I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. Mm. And for, um, damn, it's still emotional when I say yeah. it now. And it's still, it's still language that I use regularly, you mm. know. And at that time, it just felt so raw. Like I could see the shit for what it was. Like I, it really felt like I was looking at an actual entity of some sorts, which was all my fears and insecurities. Mm-hmm. And that line just kept on coming out. I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I'm sorry, I couldn't do it. And the more I said it, the more I cried. And yeah, that's where that's a lot of that's where a lot of the language comes from. You know, just feeling like I just haven't done it right or I haven't done enough. It's heavy. Yeah, that is really heavy. Ah. <sighs> The joy of personality shaping and past experiences and all that, right? Right. And I think today's, you know, today we just wanted to start a conversation about how um, the things we tell ourselves or things people tell us, we allow ourselves to form an identity around them. Yeah. So what can we do? Sorry. I mean, I just, I I, I think rather than delving more into that, I think what are the ways that we actually deal with it? How do you deal with yours? I mean, for me, I really, I mean, sounds like I'm, you know, tooting my own horn, but I really feel like therapy helped me and having that one healing relationship. But also what I realized a lot was um, over the years, I have allowed myself to form close, vulnerable friendships um, with people in my life. And I and I really feel like there's a lot of power there because you can be yourself mm-hmm. with these people. And um, when you're yourself or when I have been myself with, you know, these few people, I have, you know, said, been honest about stuff like, I don't want to do this. Like, this is crap. I don't want to do this thing Mm. or I don't, you know, and people who accept that and don't expect you to just move on, get on with it with a stoic face or whatever, Mm -hmm. allow you to accept yourself. Yeah. Um, That's what helped me. Yeah. Um, What about you? I know you found this this development course. Yeah, but, yeah. that helped me a lot. At yeah. least that helped me identify a lot of the shit that yeah. I was dealing with. Therapy did help me a lot because my therapist kept on pointing out to me, you know, certain language that I just mm. was using on myself. She's like, do you realize how judgmental and how critical the language that you use on yourself is? Yeah. And every now, a little bit more than before, I kind of catch myself sometimes where I'm just sort of judging myself and saying, oh, but this sort of thing. She's like, Sometimes she says, saying, it's fine. Just say it. It's okay. Mm. Because there's always this thing. But she taught me how to just cut myself some slack. She gave me exercises of how I can cut myself some slack. And the sense of relief I sometimes felt from these exercises, just again, tears of relief Mm. sometimes. 
Meditating has helped me mm-hmm. no end. I meditate every day for at least 15 to 20 minutes. That's great. Um, I exercise at least every other day. I swim. Swimming helps me in, in tremendously. Me too, actually, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, these are the main ways that I cope. And of course, now more than before, just talking to people about it. Yeah, because, you know, we're not alone. Yeah, we're, we're not. Clearly, I mean, everyone seems to have gone through, you know... Yeah, Yeah. crap. Yes, I think that's one of the biggest dangers is that as soon as you're feeling it, you start to believe that nobody else knows what this is like. And to our listeners, I just want to say that if you do feel certain things that resonate with you a certain way about yourself, that you feel that other people will not understand or do not understand, I assure you, speaking as someone who's been there, done that, and for such a long time in his life, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think... On that heavy uh, note. On that heavy but hopefully. Yeah. Heavy, uh, heavy but hopeful. <laughs> heavy but hopeful note. Yeah. I think we'll um, we shall call it um, an episode. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Just to say that you know what, if there's anything you want to say, if you want to write into us, you can send us an email at write to marbles at gmail dot com. Thank you for listening and uh, have a good day. <laughs> I suppose. Bye. Bye. See ya. Catch Marbles Lost and Found every week on the IVM app, website or anywhere you get your podcasts from.